Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to uh, No Agenda, the show that has no jingles, no theme song, no commercials, um, and, well, actually, no talent and no agenda. Exactly. <laughs> it's uh, Adam Curry in the uh, Curry condo in San Francisco, and John C. Dvorak is in the uh, Dvorak mansion south of here. North of here or south of here, John? Where are you? It's actually cro- kind of a cross. Oh, can- I'm in the, in, the, in the sunny community of Albany, which is the San Carlos of the East Bay. The San Carlos of the East Bay, nice. So as we're getting this sh- the show together and in, uh, in the format, um, so we, we actually, just before I hit record, we're going through the topics. So I think we have, uh, what, what was your first one, John? Well, the writer's strike is interesting to me, which is the Writers Guild of America, you know, the guys who do all the TV stuff. Now, remember, I, I'm, I said a couple of weeks ago this was going to be a big deal. We had a conversation in the hallway about this. Yeah, well, it's a big deal on one hand, but I think it's a huge blunder. Okay. I think think it's a strategic blunder, and I'll explain why. And it doesn't surprise me that they make this mistake, because this is like the people that didn't get the, uh, the distribution over Napster. And I mean, it's just one of these things where new media impinges old media, and all the people that are involved in old media just don't understand, uh, you know, how to deal with it. Okay, on the on the side of the writers on the side of the of the television companies or both? No, I think well, there is both. Obviously, I mean, but I think in this case the writers are wrong. Uh, and, and, I, and here's what I what I'm what I'm thinking is that if they had if they'd wait, right now there's no metrics. I mean, essentially what they're doing is they're shooting themselves in the foot because they're one of the now. By the way, this has nothing to do with the fact that they maybe they're getting screwed or probably they're getting screwed on DVD sales. Right, because that that if, seems to be one major point of contention. That's but all a the no-brainer. Po- right, that's, right. that's that's what they should be going out on. But when they start talking about new media yeah. and the internet, I think this is where they're making a mistake. I, I think you're right, and, and and you know, in some of the more in-depth reporting that I've been looking at, um, you know, the discrepancy on the DVD stuff seems to be much much larger than this. Indeed, this unknown, you know, like. Like anyone's fucking monetizing properly on this stuff yet. You know, you want 0.3% of what? Zero? Exactly. And what they should be doing is just going after the DVD thing and then focusing on it. But now they're, they're focused on something that nobody even knows if they're making, anybody's making any money. They may actually be losing money in a big way. A lot of these, you know, like NBC and some of these other guys who are going off and doing their own thing and they don't know what they're doing. Uh, I mean, it's almost, it's, it's laughable. And uh, yeah, the stuff's being there. There, the works are being redistributed, but it's not like they're. It's not like the DVD thing where there's actual sales. It's, <laughs> it's just. It's, in many ways, it's kind of a joke. And what the what the writer should have done is they should have just focused on the DVD and then waited until there was something going on on the other side where they could bring something to the table and say, "Hey, look what's going on here. Here's how we're getting screwed." Right now, they they've got nothing. It's all vague. Yep. And so it's weakening their whole position. I think it's a complete blunder. And here's what the worst part about it. By doing this now, they may actually be making the networks pull back on their on their Internet approach and all the new media stuff, which is going to benefit everybody in the long haul. But if they have to pull back and rethink how they're going to do it so they can find some other way to screw the writers, because they really haven't been screwing them on that yet – uh, it's gonna. It's just a bad idea, and what's what you're gonna end up with is a lot of the stuff's gonna be written in the contracts now, in such a way that the writers are gonna probably not do as well as they would have if they just waited to see where this whole new media thing was headed. So I think there's there's two things. One is <clears throat> uh, the studios and uh, or the the TV companies. 
the only real way they're making lots of money is still on DVD. You know, that's kind of like the after you've got. If you're not lucky enough to get uh, syndication, you know, after three seasons, something can go into syndication. That's where you really start making some money. That's uh, actually five seasons. You went five seasons. Is it now for five seasons. Wow! Because that gives you five days a week for one year. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Five seasons. Um, but that, of course, is also dwindling because, or at least I think everyone can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And Okay, so clearly online is uh, it has huge potential. That's where the money will be shifting. We know that the eyeballs are shifting towards online. But it's interesting, this timing, although it was you know planned with their negotiation schedule, um, we're on the verge uh, of the launch of Hulu. Which I think when you know when you can't go there and get last night's episode of whatever it was because there was no episode last night, I think it's going to be a lot less interesting uh, than what the, the networks probably overvalue uh, their back catalog. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, well, they could. Yeah, that's a possibility. Uh, and and we don't even know. I mean, people are the reviews are coming in on. I haven't gotten an account on Hulu. Yeah, me neither. I, I, I applied, but you know, it's like I applied. They're tied you know, into. I don't know. It's, I'm on the the TSA list, man. How can I expect to get on the Hulu list? I you know I should be able to get on this list as uh, you know just from my fact that I have all these outlets. You're street cred, man. But I don't even know who to talk to. <laughs> well, didn't so, you sign uh, up? I, I just signed so up. I signed for the up data. on the on the website and I got the letter. Oh, you're we're on you're on mm-hmm. the waiting list. Mm-hmm. And you'll be on one day. It's like joining Bohemian Club <laughs> or something. It'll be 14 <laughs> years later. I'll get in. So um, it's you know. So I'm a little disappointed there. So but but other people have gotten on. I actually could probably call these guys and yeah, say, just, Hey, can you yeah. let me borrow your password? Let me go check it out. Right. I haven't bothered. Uh, but the. The, you know, the reviews are coming, and they're kind of mixed, but there was an article that ran in the New York Times discussing this, and the cool thing about this article was in bits or whatever that thing is. The cool thing about the article was they had uh, a lot of interesting comments from the commenters, you know, the normal readers, and many of them were very critical of the whole concept uh, and the way NBC was approaching this, and, you know, and their, and their pals at well, uh, yeah, Fox. Well, interestingly enough, now, you just said something there, John. You don't have... A beta account. I don't have a beta account. Who are these people that have seen this, and why did they get on the list? Uh, I don't know. It's worth asking. Yeah, I mean, find somebody to ask. Who is who is actually? Who do you know that's gotten on the list that has written about it? Someone of influence. No, I think there's a couple of people at CNET, if I remember. Mm. You know, and I mean, if you go to Google and look it up, you'll find people who who are, who are reviewing it, and they tend to be the early. Raw, raw boys, you know, right. guys who they, they like they've never seen anything in their life. This is the greatest thing ever, <laughs> yeah. you know, and um, that usually fades after, you know, some more realistic people come into the scene. So maybe they're just slipping it to the, the shills that are going to give them a high PR. I don't know. I, 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 all I know is that the whole thing is messed up and it's, um, it, it, I can't believe it. Most people don't think it's going to be successful just out of the gun. So just back to the Writers uh, Guild of America. And the, the, so it, I, actually, I've been out all day. Did, have they gone on? Have they, uh, is the strike on now? Have they started that? Uh, from what I understand from the last news report I saw, it, it's, it's a done deal and it's going, and it's going to happen on Monday. Okay. Pencils but, down. Know, pencils down mean pencils down. But whether it really does, I mean, things end at the last minute. It could be a threat, an idle threat. So do you think it'll, um, it'll affect our world? No, I think it's actually beneficial to, uh, you know, indie new media. Right, so it affects us in a positive way. 
Yeah, I think it's because people are going to be looking around at other things. You know, it's not going to really make much of a difference right off the bat because, for, I mean, the only people that are going to be immediately affected are the late night shows and the Daily Show right. with John Stewart. Right. John Stewart, half the time he's on vacation anyway. Let's face reality. <laughs> he, but he actually uh, has to. I mean, he he's in WGA. Letterman's in WGA. You know, they actually right, have so to go on strike. Yeah, they'll Letterman have to go. Letterman will be out. The Leno will, Leno will be gone. And the, the Daily Show will be gone. Colbert, but you know, those guys. Cole Baron and Daily Show, those guys are half the time they're gone they're anyway. Repeats, yeah. I will say yeah. uh, I'm, I'm all for unions. And if, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm not maybe not agreeing with the leadership and what their decisions are, but, you know, unions are a good idea. And I think people should be able to organize and, sh- and, know, this, I, and this shows power. The, well, just to one up you on this, I actually used to be a union organizer. So I, in fact, I organized a teamster. I, I wish, I wish, <laughs> I helped organize a union, and we got it under, you know, underway, and the whole thing. So I went through the whole process, and I got a lot of training. I know the whole, you know, all the litany on both sides of the thing. And I'm a pro union. I was in a number of unions when I was younger. When I, you know, when I was working, when I was going through college, and I worked during the summers, I joined different unions. And even when I was in high school, I was in various unions. Well, you know, I, I you know, I joined AFTRA, and I got a SAG card, and really it was. Uh... Uh, it was it, it was all about the insurance, <laughs> you know, just having good health insurance. That's really what I cared about. Well, you know, that's that's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, the uh, the point is, is, so I'm not you know anti-union by any means. I think they're good things. I think they're a little passe. I think they need to be rethought the way they're the way they work. But uh, yeah, the Union part, 2.0, the social network. Now we now you're talking. <laughs> but it's just it just seems to me that the leadership of a lot of unions is flaky. Yeah. And and they and they're and in this case, I think there's there weren't, you know, there it's not leadership. It's just kind of a knee jerk kind of thing. This this whole attacking new media before they even know how it's going to, you know, kind of un, unroll or, or roll out. They're, they're, they're unsure. So that's it's weird. Perfect timing. Ten minutes in. That's what we should keep the topics to. Let's try that. I like it. So uh, let's see what's next. Blackwater. Uh, well, you like you got the Blackwater topic. You're coming from the European perspective. What are they thinking over there when they see all this Blackwater stuff? Well, first of all, I don't think the Europeans are aware of Blackwater at all. Uh, I, really? I oh, yeah, not at all. You know, it's uh, uh, they don't. <laughs> we did a, a round of press releases, and uh, and our and our uh, PR agency in the UK uh, went to all of the highbrow broadsheets with my Ron Paul interview. And just as an example of, of the, the lack of knowledge, and 40% did not know who the man was. And these were the political editors of, you know, like, well, I don't know. I don't want to say which publication, you know, which ones yeah, specifically, right. but all the, the big ones like, you know, the Times, sure. uh, Guardian, Daily Mail, you know, the real, the real broadsheets. 40% didn't even know who he was. And then they said, well, you know, he's just an isolationist and uh, he's not making any noise. So, uh, you know, has no traction. Uh, they were unaware of the amount of money, don't really understand the significance of it. I'd, I'd have to say that hmm. knowledge level of how our political system works is very, very low. And the story about Blackwater, uh, it just gets drowned out. That, that, by the way, the United Kingdom has some crap of their own going on <laughs> that also was in the news. It's not just about what's going on over here. Uh, but no, they have no knowledge of, of Blackwater. However, well, the reason we haven't interrupt you here because the reason yeah. that's that's interesting to me is because one of my bloggers on Dvorak Uncensored, Dvorak.org slash blog for anyone who doesn't know, um, who posted the Blackwater story, went on to a kind of a tirade 
uh, which I actually edited out because mm-hmm. I thought it was over the top. But he, but before I edited it, it went on about no wonder, you know, he's talking about Blackwater. No wonder the Europeans and all these countries hate us because we're doing stuff like this. And now you're telling me they don't even know we're doing stuff like this, which makes the commentary ludicrous. Right? It, no, no, no. Level. It's it's on. Also, here's here's my issue. And there's actually there's a great. I think it's the only interview that I've been able to find. Of Eric Prince, this is the guy who uh, the CEO and founder of Blackwater. Yeah, the head guy. Well, you, by the way, he was on a lot of t- while you were in London. He was on a lot of TV. Yeah, but this is they- a, a one-hour Charlie Rose interview. Did you see that oh, one? Okay. No, I didn't see it. And so you know, when Charlie Rose really and he, Rose was fucking great as always. You know, he just like really calmly just you know, sticks the knife in. And I gotta say. Um, First of all, you know the guy is from uh, Dutch descent, which is kind of interesting, uh, just Makes to me sense. to me personally. Uh huh. Um, I mean, he was spotless the way he went through this. A couple of things that are 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 interesting. Uh, first of all, what he's claiming, at least, is that what Blackwater really does is they train. So they also train uh, army and uh, navy and air force and marines. You know, they they're just a training facility and outsource essentially. Um, they train people, and then they hand them over. They are actually under uh, military command. That's the way he made it sound. And I, and I, wa- I watched it back a couple times. Like, okay, so they don't act, they're not operating completely in a vacuum there. But um, it's it's you know okay. Besides the fact that he's part of the war industrial complex, you know, uh, there's there's really no difference between. Uh, a service that he's providing um, or, you know, companies that are making uh, jet fighter jets and, and ships and, you know, and, and catering. I mean, th- there are more commercial companies I've come to understand than I got to believe there are more commercial companies in Iraq personnel headcount wise than are military personnel. You just don't think of it that way, but you know, well, all of the infrastructure, know, the, all of the support, that's coming from commercial companies, which, of course, yeah, no, is are, pumping it, money into the economy. There is a, uh, generally speaking, they, at least the word here is, is that half the soldiers over there are contractors well, exactly. and half are military. Yeah. And, there, and some of the people are complaining about the fact that, for example, and this is kind of weird, for example, the Army's not even, in, especially in the Green Zone, supposedly, and I have friends in the Green Zone, I have to verify this, but I'm hearing that they have catering companies that are independent contractors doing the food for the Army. Dude, Burger of- King is in, Burger King and fucking, uh, what's not Domino's, uh, Pizza Hut. On the, I was in Basra, on the base, and there's a fucking Burger King and a, and a Pizza Hut. Did I just blow you away? Did you not come back on me there, John? <laughs> uh, no, I'm here. Okay. So uh, the point is, is what happened to the K, you know, the KP, the army cook? I mean, why aren't they do, cooking for themselves? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, even worse, the guys who were there on thirty-five, you know, forty thousand dollars a year, they're looking at these other guys. And saying, fuck, you know, this guy's making 100, 200 Gs, maybe. These guys are highly paid. You know, they're highly paid. And so they're like, you know, th- that's what I should be worth. I mean, isn't that completely demoralizing? Well, I think that's the reason they're having trouble recruiting people because people are saying, why should I work, go f- into the Army if I can get a job with Blackwater? I can make 10 times more money. Exactly. Well, I, and so for, I guess the revelation here is I don't think the 
American public even is aware of of exactly this. You know, the amount, the fact that that, that we have more contractors over there than in, uh, enlisted uh, servicemen and women. About these discrepancies in pay. I mean, that I think that's really the big eye opener, and people are going to start saying, "Wait a minute, this isn't right." Yeah, no, it's it's ridiculous, and I think. Uh... I'm, I, the guy I know that's over there, who I email with every so often, he says they're making more money than God. Ugh. And he's like, you know, driving a truck. So every single time you write off one of those uh, checks to the IRS, you know, that's literally what's being done with it. Actually, I was at the, I paid my IRS bill on October 15th because I'm, you know, one of those guys. <laughs> and, but I'm in line at the post office with about 10 other guys, all my age. You know, same kind of thing, and they're all standing there to get the postmark on the check or on the on the envelope, and uh, and we talk, we start chatting with each other, you know, as fellow comrades. Yeah. And the guy says, "I wonder how many." Yeah, I got this big check. I wonder how many bullets it's going to buy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I think I I think I bought a jet or two. Well, I probably only bought a Humvee, but it was more than I wanted to spend. As long as you got a Hummer out of the deal, I'm, I'm yeah, cool I wish <laughs> I could have been nice to have like a, um, you know, they should have made. I would have rather bought a used Humvee, but you know. So anyway, I, I guess my hope from all of this is that uh, there's some kind of way. You know, I, what I don't think is constructive, and this is what I'm seeing a lot of online, is people are attacking this guy. You know, he's evil, and you know, and here's his evil castle, and. You know, that, that's that's the wrong way place to focus the energy. You know, look at the structure of this, how how this is working. You know, literally, yeah, he's you're, just an opportunist. Yeah, he's a smart guy. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I was telling people that you know, if, you know, instead of complaining about, I said, "Gee, I mean, how do we get in on this deal?" Well, there's there's really only two kinds of businesses I've never been interested in, and and this is one of them. And the other one is pussy. You know, I, there's lots of money I can make in sex, sex business. I mean, that that's easy. I just I'm not interested in being in that business. What do you mean, selling your body? Oh, I see what you mean. You mean being a pimp? <laughs> no, would you know that the the best online porn guys, you know, they're it's all in Amsterdam. Yeah, there's a lot of it there. I have to say. In fact, I ran it years and years ago. I was in, uh, I went through Holland. Uh, I was at some event, and there's one. It was a, it was a early Boardwatch magazine thing. It was in Germany, and I ran into a bunch of these guys. And they said, "Well, you want to just take a run over to uh, Rotterdam, and uh, we'll go through Belgium, and we'll taste some beer and whatever." And we got in the car and went over there. And this, and we stopped and visited a friend of a friend, and he ran. And this was like in the ni- early nineties. In the early '90s, before the you know the net was even going, it was uh, the old bulletin board scene. Yep. And he he had his nice little house, and it was just fine. Oh yeah, a, a sex uh, farm with uh, oh, that's what we call them. With like and then in rooms. the back, he said, yeah, in the back room, he had a bunch of servers, uh-huh. and they were cranking out porn like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Regulation was real easy, and and uh, it's socially acceptable to, to set up a business like that. Yeah, and he was, you know, cranking away, and I thought it was like, well, that's interesting. He was nonchalant about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, that's the way we roll with it, man. <laughs> us, us, Benel- us Beneluxers. <laughs> yeah, Beneluxers. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, those businesses, you, you don't have to go to those businesses unless you have to, but, you, you know, it, it does look like easy money if you wanted to get caught up in it. But, you know, the funny thing is about, because I, when I was doing the tech TV show, Silicon Spin, we used to have different people on. I used to have Danny Ash on a lot and all kinds Wait, of who, other. Who's, who's Danny Ash? 
Danny Ash was Danny. She was the one that she she makes like we figure four million dollars a year do just softcore. Oh, okay. All right. She's a softcore girl, cool. and she has a bunch of she has her sites. Danny's hard drive. Oh, Danny's hard drive. Okay, I've heard of that. Sure. And she, sweetest thing you ever wanted to me. She's gorgeous too, and she'd be on. She, but she was a businesswoman. She's actually a hardcore businesswoman, mm-hmm. and she would have some real interesting insights into all this stuff. And and her husband was like like a lawyer. So she was like the <laughs> businesswoman. He's a lawyer. She's a stripper, or not a stripper, but a whatever she was. She showed, you know, she yeah. Was, she uh, did. She did like she's really, an exhibitionist. That's you know that's what yeah. She was. High high end uh, sexy shots. Hot shots, right? That's yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. But she would make it. We did some calculations at the time, and this was in the late 90s, 98 maybe, 99, something like that, that we figured she was made about 2.5 based on her numbers and the rest of what we knew. Mm-hmm. But I have the other people would come through this show, and they were porn people, and they were, you could tell that they were being corrupted by it. Danny, less so, because she was, you know, I think she was pretty just a normal exhibitionist type woman. But uh, the other people you could see, especially men, you could see them just slowly creeping toward that. Let's wear. A, let's. I think I'd look pretty good with that big gold necklace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I, you know, I, maybe I should open my shirt up a little bit more. You know, I'm growing some hair here with the gold necklace. I think it's going to look pretty good. That's a good look. Yeah, that's real good. Well, know, and then you, you can just see them falling into it. I, you know, I could grease my hair a little more. I think maybe that would look good. What about a mustache? Take away from this. When we're standing in line at the post office to put in our big-ass IRS checks, we'd much rather they go to porn <laughs> that, we, that we at least can, can enjoy the fruits of our labor that way than through bullets and shooting hot lead at other people in deserts. Well, you're advocating the government invest in porn? Yeah, right on. I'm running <laughs> on that ticket. You wait. It might work. <laughs> All right. What, what do we have next? Your turn. Well, a lot of people in Europe don't realize that we have this weird drought. In fact, I think a lot of people in the United States, unless they're local to uh, to Georgia and Tennessee and places like that, don't realize there's been a drought going on there for about a year. Really? And it just turned out that today, apparently, some town in Tennessee went bone dry. So if everybody in this whole city, you open the ta- taps, nothing. Nothing came out. Wow, what a nightmare, huh? Well, it's not only a nightmare, but it, what it, it causes all kinds of other issues because when you draw when you take the water out of the system you know the pipes now don't have anything holding them up in some places and they start to corrode start corroding real fast because oxygen is now hitting them and you end up with a long-term problem that's uh, hard to resolve but nothing is going to get resolved unless it starts raining and it won't probably rain in that area for another month so has uh, fema moved in yet (laughs) well that would help (laughs) <laughs> no, isn't that what they're what are there they for? Are, well, aren't, that's the, the emergency uh, management agency. They're supposed to step in and, and save everyone. Well, I don't know what they They got the truck and water, I guess. But it's interesting that we're having a drought. Well, like, you know, over the last couple of years, they've been having these floods, especially in, in England, uh, in those nice coastal areas around Cornwall. Not even the coastal areas, man. It was from Wales on up. And it, it, start, yeah. it started to hit London. That, that's when all of a sudden the emergency relief came in, is when Gordon Brown's uh, hush puppies started to get wet. So what would happen if those tubes all flooded? Yeah, you know, for real. Tubes. Yeah, for real, for real. Well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it, it would certainly <laughs> fuck up my commute, that's for sure. <laughs> 
you fly in. No, but I didn't but, know that. So, and but is this like a big town? Is it a hundred thousand people? I I just found out about it. It's probably a small town, but it's it's be the beginning of many towns. They're going to start drying up. It looks like, and Georgia is the next state to get hit hard. They're like down in you know just a. I think they're down to sixty days worth of water, and then they're done. Wow. So all right. that's kind of interesting. And meanwhile, the uh, the glaciers are all melting. Why can't they use some of that water? You know, uh, and that's one I wanted to hit on. Uh, I think I read it on your blog, and then you no, you talked to, first. I, I heard it on uh, Tech Five, and then I went to your to your web blog. And um, there was yeah, a, I haven't actually I haven't actually fully blogged this yet. I know what you're going to say. Yeah, this is about this. Uh, well, you called it a like a mountain of plastic in the middle of the ocean, which it isn't. <clears throat> but I did find this fascinating. Uh, it's called, uh, I think it was a gyre. Is that what it's called? A G-Y-R-E? Or a gear. I'm not sure how you pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, well, there was a link. One of the, your your readers uh, had posted a comment to a Google video. There was this little mini documentary about this uh, this uh, team of volunteers that went to go check it out. And so this is like 3,000 miles you know, off the coast in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, why don't you explain to listeners out there what we're talking about? Okay, so uh, a gyre is a, it's a natural phenomenon, and there's a couple of them. Basically, the way the currents uh, flow, it, there's kind of like this big uh, toilet bowl kind of uh, motion, although, you know, of course, there's no hole at the bottom that the water drains down into, but you do have an epicenter of this swirling water, and it just collects stuff. And what does it collect? Well, stuff that's floating. Uh, like plastic, <laughs> plastic, plastic, and bottles, and and wood. and you know, and I, I I couldn't really understand how large this area was, but you know, I, I'm thinking like ten thousand miles, you know, just some un- unbelievable uh, area of of water, and they went through it, and literally, you now it's not like it, it, what you almost automatically imagine is this huge, like all these plastic bottles floating. Of course, that's not really true, because plastic does break down. In fact, it gets really brittle because of the salt water and the sun, <clears throat> and it breaks up, and and it breaks into very you know microscopic bits that, of course, the plankton feeding organisms are now feeding on, and so that you know there's a whole sub story there of new deformed sea creatures <laughs> like these monsters that are going to grow out of this shit, um, but you know there's ten times as much plastic in the water as there is uh, plankton. And it's just unbelievable. You know, you think, you know, you, you, you see stuff that just gets discarded and it goes out to sea. But where does it go? It, it goes into this big fucking, you know, this cesspool in the middle it's of the a, oceans. It's, it's supposedly the size of Texas. Right. That's more than 10,000 square miles. No, no, no. Well, no, 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 well no, I don't know how many square no, miles no. it is, but it's probably, uh, I don't know. When I finally get it's the big blog. It's big. It's a big piece of goo, gob of goo out there, and apparently birds land on it and often get trapped because you know it's well. There's you know, there's plastic rope. There's buoys. There's all kinds of you know stuff that you'd kind of expect to be there. Um, but there's uh, fluorescent tubes. I just uh, love the idea of a big buoy with a bell <laughs> on it dinging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like that's where all the trash goes. It's just yeah, it was uh, it was pretty wicked. Oh, this is here's a. Uh, if we're done with this one, I, I got a story that just blew me away. Well, wait, let's not get, get finished. I think they should nuke it. Nuke, <laughs> nuke the gyre? Anyway, your next story. <laughs> okay, thanks. Now, um, <laughs> this is like a, a music business story. 
Do you know who Seymour Stein is? The name rings a bell, but no. Okay, Seymour Stein is the guy who first, uh, he, he uh, legend in the music business, started Sire Records. And Sire Records, you know, has had many famous artists, uh, but Seymour Stein is really known for um, Madonna. He really took Madonna into mainstream, did the first big album with her, and you know, he was her, uh, uh, Sire was her record label uh, in, the, in the very beginning of her career. And Got Seymour it. Stein is a real, and I've hung, about, hung out with him, you know, back in the, I don't know, like mid-80s in London, and just one of these really weird guys, uh, typical music industry guys, like he had a, a fish tank in his office with 100 pound, uh, 50, was it, no, 50 pound notes, uh, at the bottom of this aquarium, and there were piranha swimming in the aquarium. It's like you're welcome to go, you know, grab the 50 pound note if you don't mind your hand getting eaten by a piranha. You know, this is really one of these guys, right? Hilarious. And and his uh, ex-wife, Linda Stein, um, was also a legend in the music business. She was a manager, uh, famously uh, of the Ramones. And she was the most abrasive woman you can imagine. I mean, she would, she just, you know, would, she would yell, she would scream at people, she'd tell Joey Ramone, shut the fuck up. You know, <laughs> when, when they were touring in, in England, you know, he was complaining about everything. He'd, he didn't like the, the food, and, you know, and she just said, then get the fuck back to America, you fucking, these legendary. And, and it's funny because I, as far as I know, Seymour Stein was <clears throat> gay, if not at least by, but you know, it was really weird. These two, and of course they did break up eventually. So, um, she was X for a reason. Um, so legendary woman legend. In fact, um, as she had cancer and she, as she was, had been operated on cancer and she was, this is just one of those famous stories about her. So take it with a grain of salt. Um, four hours after the operation, she was already on the phone yelling at someone who would fuck something up. Yeah, just, just crazy. Um, they found her bludgeoned to death in her apartment yesterday in New York on Fifth Avenue. Oh, really? Yeah. It's it like, wasn't in the news out here. <laughs> well, d- 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 well, there you go. Uh, but it's just, it, it's one of those, you watch, the stories will come out, I'm sure, because, you know, um, lots of artists dealt with her, so I'm, I'm sure people are going to be talking about this. You watch, it's going to be a, an interesting story, I'm, I'm sure that it'll... Uh, well, yeah, it sounds like something that's going to develop, that's interesting. And, you know, who, I mean, she, it's like, you know, who, who really were her enemies? Who would have wanted to do this? Well, the answer is fucking everybody. <laughs> everybody could have gone off on this woman at any time and bludgeoned her to death. Of course, you know, she's kind of been out of the business for, for many years. So for this to happen now, it's just crazy. The sounds of your story. What's that? Well, it sounds like everybody was trying to kill her. So I don't know. It sounds like a crime that's unsolvable. Yeah. Maybe we should get Grisham on the scene. He'll take care of it. Well, we're talking about that kind of industry. We should mention the the, the last story I think should be this one, which is uh, the Rick Cotton saga, which is another story that's developing. If you think that other one's going to like get legs, I think this one might get legs in the blogosphere. Because okay. it's just starting to come out now. And it's, it started with a uh, a posting in kind of a private newsletter. Then it went to Ars Technica. And I, one of my bloggers picked it up. But, and I have it on the blog, which is the, uh, the Rick Cotton, the... Uh, 
the counsel, the general counsel for NBC Universal, apparently representing the company, made the suggestion that the society, I want to quote from the article, society wastes entirely too much money policing crimes like burglary, fraud, and bank robbing <laughs> when it should be doing something about piracy instead. <laughs> no way. And here's the great quote. Oh, he's going to our law, quote, our law, law enforcement resources are seriously misaligned, Cotton said. If you add up all the various kinds of property crimes in this country, everything from theft to fraud to burglary, bank rob robbing, all of it, it costs the country $16 billion a year. But intellectual property crime runs to hundreds of billions of dollars a year. Go figure. Is this guy like clinically insane? Go figure. Now, now I'm thinking, well, here's a guy who's just, you know, a, a mouthpiece for the company, but in April, I did some more research, and in April, he was making noise about getting the White House to install a cabinet-level position for anti-piracy. What are uh, what shows? The, what shows does NBC produce? What is this this incredibly important stuff <laughs> that is so no, important I, to society? <laughs> Heroes, I think, is something, and then there's a couple other shows. Get a and fucking then, clue, dude. <laughs> You know, it's unbelievable to me. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, well. I mean, the fact that NBC would let this guy say that on their behalf, that that burglary, you know, essentially what we're talking about is burglary, robbery, bank robbing, all this kind of thing is meaningless compared to their crappy business but what, and, the, <laughs> and the junk they put on television. What was, what was the context of this? Where did he say this? Uh, it was at some, I guess it was at either some meeting or an interview or something like that. I'm going to have to yeah, backtrack. We, we got we got to source that. I, I got to know more about that. Yeah, yeah, you can. It's, hard, it's actually right now. It's a little hard to find. You can go if you go to Ars Technica. They're the first people that actually started running with it, and they sourced it back to a, a kind of a newsletter mm. that's online, and they and they probably have the original source of it. Mm, dodgy but, but sounds I, I thought, dodgy. Dodgy. No, it does sound. It sounded dodgy to me at first, and then when I found out that this guy was already working on this cabinet level, he wanted a secretary of anti-piracy in the White House. I figured it makes nothing but sense that he would say this. Unreal. Hard to think. Well, I hope everyone rips this off and copies this wide. Please. And feel <laughs> yes, free feel please. free to try. You know, if you can sell some advertising against it, go ahead and insert some ads around it. <laughs> Knock yourself out. We, we got no agenda. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We got no agenda. All right. So, uh, all right, John. Well, next week, uh, uh, we can do it on Friday as well, actually. Did you do Cranky Geeks today? Or is that not? For, no. What is that? No, Cranky Friday. Geeks on Wednesday did it. Wednesday. And, okay. um, um you know, if you're around next week, maybe we can get you over there. Uh, meanwhile, uh, you know, we've got no agenda, and next week we're going to have more no agenda. No agenda, exactly. <laughs> All right, I'm Adam Curry at the Curry Condo. And I'm John C. Dvorak. Okay, we'll talk to you next week. The best and the brightest, served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, Podshow and Limelight. Yeah.